0: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Fantasy Football Rankings Update! Yes, we have position battles, injuries and we have to react to all this news. Hopefully not overreact to, like, performance from week one of the preseason, but guys did get hurt, and that actually does mean something. And there are position battles, which could open the door for not only those specific players, but everyone around them, especially at the quarterback position or the running back position. What does that do to the rest of the team? Are they going to move up, or are they going to move down the rankings? Who knows? We'll find out on the show. Joe Pizzapia from Fantasy Pros will be joining me in a second. However, I need to let you know to smash the like button for the video. I want to the one player that As the preseason has gone along, OTAs, training camp, preseason, that you've just come around to, like you weren't on at the beginning, in like the beginning of July, but now we're in like the middle of August, you're like, no, you know what, I'm drafting that guy, that's Najee Harris for me, just the more and more and more and more I think about it, the more and more and more and more I like him, so if I was leaving a comment in the comment section, Najee Harris would be my guy, but I want to know who you guys are talking about, so smash like, sub to Mayo Media Network while you're here, and you got to, please, folks, runthesims.com is now fully operational so runthesims.com slash mayo will get you a discount off the DFS tools product and the betting product however if you're just a season long player and you just want projections start sit tools and an advanced stat hub with all of the advanced stats uh, where you can do all your all your research all that stuff is free on runthesims.com you just have to make an account that stuff is there for you to use at any time throughout the year so please go do that but if you do want the DFS optimizer the individual game simulator these are all customizable by the way, or the betting prop tool where you can see visualizations of the over and under in terms of a player's range of outcomes, that is going to cost money. So you might as well use runthesims.com/slash mayo and get yourself a discount on that. Last thing, I got some money to give back to you guys. So Thursday, I'm giving away the bucks. The prize pool is at $1,000 right now. We need 13 more audio reviews to bump that prize pool from $1,000 to $1,500 in cash giveaways. So all you need to do is Hit the description of the video right now, and what you will find is a link to the Apple Podcast feed for Fantasy Football Picks and Bets, a brand new show on Mayo Media Network. You subscribe to that podcast, you leave a five-star rating, a review with your Twitter handle or email in said review, and boom, you're in the draw. Winners announced on Monday, so right now it's 10 $100 winners. It could go up to 15 $100 winners, and I will be announcing that on Thursday. Thank you for your support. You can check out the video version on the YouTube channel, too. We got... Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night on that show this week, plus snap counts earlier from Monday. But we're going to be previewing the Thursday games, the Friday games, and the Saturday games for a DraftKings perspective and a Prize Picks perspective over on that show. So please go check it out. Joe P! What's going on, my man?
1: What's happening, brother? It's nice for you to come join us in the Najee Harris room because uh BlackBooks had Najee Harris as a top 10 running back for quite some time now so it's very nice that you're just kind of seeing the light there on Najee I-, I welcome you with open arms my friend
0: I did the fantasy football picks and bet show I hosted it and I broke down the snap shares he's played 30 of the 35 snaps with the offense so far when the starters have been in for the Steelers obviously he's a rookie he needs to get these reps mm-hmm. but that's just how I envision him working in this offense and I haven't projected right now for around 73 targets that's around 50 receptions up around like 280 to 300 carries like that is a legitimate stud running back Mm -hmm. it's basically joe mixon without all the joe mixon-ness that goes along with him so yeah sign me up for that you say you have him a top 10 running back i sir if you check the updated rankings in the description or up on dkplaybook.com which is what we're here to talk about i got him at number 11 overall right now give me some nausea in my life
1: Absolutely. It's funny. We just had this conversation on a fantasy pros uh, podcast between Mixon and Najee Harris, very close in ADP. And personally, I'm taking Najee Harris. And you're right. He is like Joe Mixon, except with all the uh, the injury history not there yet. So there is no history. He's brand new and sometimes you just need a fresh start. It's 2021. I want a fresh start, but I'm with you. He's going to be on the field. He was an absolute stud in college. And then when you factor in the fact he can catch the football, the need for the Pittsburgh Steelers to balance out that often so much it all points to him being very good, despite the fact there are some challenges with the offensive line. I get that, but it's not like Christian McCaffrey plays behind the greatest offensive line of football either, you know? So it's not like Najee Harris is going to, uh, to suffer too much. I think the volume is King. And I think the volume is what he's going to get.
0: All right. We can move on from Najee. Cause I think the people of the, <laughs> the viewers of the show are just sick of hearing me talk about him. So when I do my, these are the guys you got a draft video, he's going to be on mm-hmm. it. I'm not going to lie to you Spoiler. about that. Yeah. Here are some injuries from the weekend. Uh, I did not talk about Rashad Bateman on this show as of yet. So we'll get to him in a second because everyone on the Ravens is hurt at wide receiver. <laughs> Good thing they went out and got so many. So Bateman is down. Boykin is down. Sammy Watkins left practice on Monday. Hollywood Brown's still not back. Uh, that's not great news. So we'll, we'll wrap around here in a second. It's just like the tight end situation for the Patriots right now. Hunter Henry hurt his shoulder. It looks like he's going to be okay. Jonu Smith has an ankle sprain. And the Institute Matt Lacoste, had to leave on Monday. So they're completely de- depleted at the tight end position at the moment. Other notable ones, Aaron Jones has returned to practice with his hamstring injury, still soft tissue. I, I'm not, like, worried, worried, but I'm worried enough to, like, monitor his status moving forward. Anthony Miller gets out of Chicago, goes to the Texans, and separates his shoulder. No timeline on him. Great news for Nico Collins up and up and up and up you can check the rankings for that one curtis samuel's been activated off the pup list has not returned to practice as of yet but he's been working in that rivera system you know he knows it quite well it'd still be nice to see him get a few reps but i think that he could integrate himself into that a little bit Kadarius tony uh re-aggravated his injury so he's out for a little bit of giants camp elijah moore's day-to-day with his quad injury what else do we got here dalton schultz has an ankle injury Malcolm Brown started over Miles Gaskin, something I hit on on the other one. Oh, the big one for me, I think. And I, I shout out to my guy, Dr. Jesse Morse on this one, because I've been really leaning on him for this Dak Prescott situation. And it just appears like everything is progressing at the rate that's supposed to for him to be able to start week one with no problems. You see the same thing as me?
1: Yeah, that seems to be where everything is going there with Dak Prescott. And uh, it's funny, when you go through all those injuries, I don't see a whole lot of change in fantasy values. Like Dak's still going to probably be somewhere around the fifth quarterback taken off the board, as he should be. And as long as we see him progress properly, I really don't care how much he plays in preseason. I don't need to see it. I just need to see him healthy week one, and not pushing things. That's all I need to see when it comes to Dak Prescott. Bateman's the interesting one because Bateman's a player I was very much into has a lot of shades of a young Keenan Allen, as far as I'm concerned. And then when you look at where he was in early drafts, very low ADP. Then a lot of good campus, a lot of people starting to buy in, starting to see it. And then, of course, you have the injuries. So the draft capital started to go up for him. Now it's got to come way back down, which is good news in a way, because I still like the player. It's still a very long season. You hope he can get back on the field sometime in September. So as long as you have a plan for Rashad Bateman, I think it's somebody you can still draft. And the good news is he's gone back to where he should have probably been when he started to rise in ADP. That was getting to a point where you can't really put him in that Jalen Waddle conversation, that Darnell Mooney conversation. And he started to scratch that surface. And I don't think that's where he should be valued. But the good news is now he's back down. Now, hopefully, Again, the health works out. But Bateman, I think, is a real player that could enter in and really change the dynamic of that offense. And that's what you're looking for, because Lamar Jackson does have the ability to throw the football. It's just a matter of can we surround him with a little bit more wide receiver talent? And that's something the Ravens have been woefully uh, poor in doing over his early career.
0: Now, you're going to be joining me to do the tight end rankings as well up on Mayo Media Network. Be on the lookout for that video version. If you're just listening to this podcast, it's all the same podcast, but two separate videos. With all these guys hurt, this has to be fantastic news for Mark Andrews.
1: Well, it isn't. It isn't. Because if you remember last year, all of a sudden everybody kind of figured out, all right, the only target here is Mark Andrews. If we shut him down, well, then we're going to stop them. And they did. And when they were trying to expand the offense and throw the ball a little bit more, it was really difficult. Lamar Jackson struggled the first half of last year. Then they realized, look, Andrews is the only real target we have. Let's just get back to being what we used to be, which is going to run the football, run the football and then run the football some more. And we started to see J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson kind of get loose again All of a sudden the Ravens started winning football games and Lamar Jackson's fantasy points went up and everybody was happy again, but it was misery for the first like eight weeks of the season for any sort of fantasy capital that you had on that team. So it's good in the sense that, yeah, you're going to be more targets going his way, but I kind of wonder are we going to run up against the same problem we did the first half of last year, which is they become predictable and just ask the Steelers about being predictable. It's not a good thing. Things don't work out in the end. If you're too predictable, balance is the key on the offensive side of the football. So hopefully Bateman can come back sooner than later, Hollywood Brown is a, has a mistake wide receiver, I have to call him. Somebody falls down, somebody misses a coverage. Marquise Brown can burn you on that. Outside of that, he doesn't run good routes. He doesn't get open very well for somebody as fast as he is. So uh, there's a lot of issues there when it comes to Brown. But yeah, it's good in terms of volume, potentially for Andrews. But once again, when you become predictable, and you know where that volume is going to. It makes it difficult to convert.
0: If Andrews doesn't drop, Eight touchdowns last year that hit him in the hands. We're having a completely different discussion about Mark Possibly. Andrews. Possibly. So maybe Possibly. he he watched little Giants over the offseason. He got some stick It is on a classic, hands. Pat. He's like, it he's is a, a classic. they're gonna start calling him like hot hands, Mark Andrews, and all of a sudden he's gonna be good to go. I think this does improve his prospects because the way that I see it with Bateman, you know, this is a no joke sports hernia injury. Like he's probably not gonna be back. Mm-hmm. Like there's still a chance he goes on pup and misses the first eight weeks of the season if this doesn't go well. Right. Now they're expecting like, oh, any buzz you hear about him playing week one is fake news I would say the earliest that you would see him is week three but you're not going to play him in week three and then even by week four we'll see how practice goes so like beginning of October is where I would First, consider maybe getting him on my team. I don't think that he's really super draftable at this point in a redraft league. He's one of those guys that I don't draft or let someone else draft, and when they drop him after two weeks because he's not back, add him to my watch list, check out the injury report, and see when he's coming back. Because I think long-term, yes, maybe towards the back end of the season, he could be an impact player for your fantasy team only because you know it's going to take him like eight weeks to actually figure out this offense he's no no longer practicing he's not going to be there for the start of the regular season it's going to take some time for him to get integrated into this offense even after he's healthy so I just don't see him being an impact player for your team at all like a startable player anytime in like the first eight weeks of the year I bumped him down to number 61 in my wide receiver rankings that was from 37 uh, and he's well outside the top 100 right now in my top 150 like I'm just he's not a player I'm going to be drafting at this point if I haven't done my draft already. So I was thinking like, man, is this good news for Sammy Watkins? Of, of course he's hurt. <laughs> is there a receiver you would actually draft off this team?
1: No. No, I mean, that's just the simple fact of it. Uh, I, I'm a little bit more hopeful than you because the, they said that the, the surgery went very well and it was very clean and everything like that. So maybe just, maybe he can work a little bit ahead of the time frame. but you're absolutely right in terms of being realistic. The CM in September is, you know, farcical. I don't think you're going to see Rashad Bateman, but that's not what you're looking for anyway. When you're trying to look for wide receivers, you're looking for teams that are going to be throw first teams. And that's the whole point in fantasy. But the good news is that you're now looking at JK Dobbins, maybe getting a little bit more work in that receiving game. It's possible to throw him the football. He wasn't all that bad in college. Uh, Look, the Ravens identity right now is going to be what the Ravens identity was when they were successful two years ago and when they were successful in the latter part of last year, which is running the football. That's what they're going to be. But uh, the good news is at least that's something that seems that a lot of defenses have a problem stopping anyway.
0: So, yeah, draft Gus Edwards. There's the Raven that you want on your (laughs) team. He's the value Raven that you can get on every team if you want to.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Gus Edwards is one of those guys, too, going in that same ADP of guys like Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon. There's a lot of good running backs in that crop there where if you have patience or for some reason, if there's an injury ahead of them, all of a sudden, giant playing time opens up and giant opportunities. So there's a, a cluster of them and they're all kind of in this clump. And those are some of the names around there that I think really are worthy of your fantasy bench because, you know, they're going to get some work. Dylan's going to get some goal line work. Gus Edwards is going to get some work there, especially if you can't throw the football very well, you're going to have to keep guys fresh there and rotate guys in and out. Plus you got that 17th season, uh, 17th game, excuse me, this season. So that's another thing people are going to manage a little bit more. I think at the running back position in September, most teams, especially a team like the Ravens that doesn't want to run the football as much as they do. So in those terms, yeah, those running backs all in Jamal Williams, maybe, Already kind of splitting carries with DeAndre Swift for all we know. So there's a crop there of guys that you can circle if you know you're looking for some extra upside running back. Those are the kind of guys I would look for on my bench.
0: So I talked about the Texans receivers with Anthony Miller going down with a separated shoulder. I'm big on Brandon Cooks this year just because he is the only man in town, except for Nico Mm -hmm. Collins at this point. And if we're talking about rookies, the the two that I've really kind of identified that I like, you you can talk about like the talent of Terrace Marshall and what role he could have. We talked about Bateman, but we like Bateman because he's a big body. You can go up and get the ball. And that's exactly what the Ravens need, especially in the red zone. But now he's hurt. I'm looking at uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and Nico Collins as the Mm -hmm. two receivers to step into starting roles and potentially see over 100 targets. Like, they are volume plays, and these teams have to pass. I mean, they don't have to pass because they're horribly run franchises and maybe they'll just run into the ground when they're down by 28 points, but on paper, they should be passing a lot.
1: Right. You got to throw the football at some point. Amon Ross St. Brown's performance, I think, this weekend was very eye-opening. A lot of us, I think, in the fantasy community were hoping you'd be working out of the slot because that's where you're going to get some of the higher volume potentially. And, you know, Jared Goff has many, many warts. But if you look at what Jared Goff did well, it was usually finding Cooper Cup quite a bit, right? So uh, Amon Ross St. Brown was working. He was getting targeted. He looked good when he caught the ball. He looked good after the catch. That's a big positive because that is a wide receiver disaster there. All these retread guys like Williams and, and Perryman and stuff, guys that nobody wants to touch on their fantasy team anymore. So the rookie I'm on Ross, St. Brown was kind of this lower deep sleeper that if you were a big college nerd, you kind of liked him coming in and wanted to see what he would do in camp. And this is the great thing about preseason, right? Most of preseason, you don't need to see. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't move the needle. But Then there's little things like this, like when you see Amon Ross St. Brown and you go, okay, this is somebody that I can draft, that I can have a contributor, maybe if I'm in a deeper league, or if I'm just looking for somebody to cover some bye weeks with some high volume potential. I don't know what the ceiling is on a weekly basis for him, but if the floor is somewhere around 12 PPR points, well, he becomes almost like a, you know, a kind of a wide receiver four type guy that you feel pretty good about if and when you have to start him in your league. So that's something to keep an eye on. And Nico Collins, again, by default maybe, but also a lot of good buzz from him in camp. Uh, You're probably not going to get Deshaun Watson at quarterback this year. I don't know what's going on there. None of us do. If anyone's telling you they do, they're lying to you. They have no clue. Taylor has limitations, but you got to find somebody else to throw the ball to there, and Collins, for me, is another one of these guys, if you're playing in a 14-team league, you should absolutely have on your radar.
0: So I like both those guys. They are great late-round targets, especially in full-point PPR. I think they can really work out for you, but even in half-point, that is a situation I want to be a mm-hmm. part of. I mentioned that all three of the Patriots' tight ends are now down with injury. It looks like Hunter Henry. I don't know the severity of Matt Lacoste. I don't know the severity of Johnny Smith, but he was dealing with an ankle injury last year, too, so this could be somewhat of a reoccurring injury and i thought it was great news for janu the moment that henry went down it looks sort of serious with his shoulder but it turns out it's not as serious would this elevate hunter henry up for you in terms of the tight end rankings
1: it would take a significant injury to janu like we're talking high ankle spray and was going to miss you know four or five weeks or something like that so if that news breaks that would be something different. But look, I like Hunter Henry as a player, but he is not what John o. Smith can be. Last year, John o. Smith really did have the breakout. It's just it happened in a short period of time. And then unfortunately, there was an injury. And then he came back a little soon from the injury. And you could tell he wasn't quite the same player. He was back on the field because he was trying to get back on the field. John o. Smith was the guy that the Patriots went after. John U. Smith was the guy that they wanted. And this was a team that year over year had some of the worst tight end productivity you'll ever see. You got guys like Izzo, Asi Asi, these guys. They were so far down in terms of tight end productivity after years of Rob Gronkowski and other tight ends in the pantheon of Patriot tight ends, right? I just don't see anybody except John U. Smith being the guy there. I think Hunter Henry was a depth piece that they brought in. Maybe they'll run some more two tight end sets. It's very possible. The good news is if John U. Smith is healthy, and again, I'm turning your Hunter Henry question into a John o. Smith uh, diatribe, but that's okay. I'm gonna do it anyway. The thing that's so nice about John o. Smith is, unlike a lot of other patriots, he might be quarterback proof. Because the best version of Cam Newton was always throwing the ball to tight end to Greg Olson. And Mac Jones is a young quarterback who, let's be honest, most young quarterbacks like to check down a little bit, find that safety blanket, that tight end. So, unlike Damian Harris, whose fantasy value really does matter quite a bit on who's playing quarterback if it's Mac Jones, if it's Cam Newton, I still like John New Smith either way. And to me, he's one of those free tight ends and going somewhere around tight end 14. And to me, I think he's got top 10 potential to break that 10.
0: David Johnson didn't really play whatsoever for the Texans. It was Philip Lindsay who got the start. Now, do you think this is more of like a, as we see in other sports a veterans day off for <laughs> and maybe they want to see like they know what they have in david johnson maybe they want to see what they have in philip Lindsay. or is this a situation where we just look at week one and like oh wow philip lindsey got 20 touches
1: to go back to your earlier Little Giants reference, if you remember the kid who is completely wrapped up in foam, that's what they should be doing with David Johnson at all times. He should be just like that kid. And um, look, even if you do that, it's hard to imagine that he won't end up hurt at some time. So yeah, you're going to manage David Johnson as much as you can because David Johnson has been injury plagued for the majority of his career. And it's just a fact. It's a tough game. So it's not a knock on him. It's just a realization and the reality you have to live in. But what that does mean is Philip Lindsay's this unique character that you know Denver didn't want him and all he did was rush for a thousand yards every time he got an opportunity and then eventually gets cast off there and it feels like this could be that same thing again and he is another one of these guys it's basically a free square in drafts right you want your fifth running back or something like that or uh, maybe your fourth in a 10-team league and you're just looking around you're saying well who's got upside if somebody does get hurt who could be that guy and who's had good performances when he's been on the field and the answer is Philip Lindsay. So in best ball, I got a ton of Philip Lindsay because once again, free running back and David Johnson's injury history. So I think there's room for Philip Lindsay in your fantasy conversation. This offense, this team overall with the Houston Texans is going to be underwhelming, I'm sure. But as we talked about, even bad teams are going to give you some fantasy points some weeks. So it's something where you look at matchups or you look at volume. And if it's guys like Cook, so he's saying, well, he's the number one on a bad team, still the number one on a bad team, still number one, still volume. Same thing might be able to be said, too, because this is a team that's probably going to have to run the football a little bit more because of their lack of wide receiver depth anyway, and maybe their lack of quarterback play also. Taylor is an okay, respectable quarterback in the NFL. He is not you know, breaking 4,500 yards passing anytime soon. So that's something to, to bake in when it comes to Lindsey, but I think Lindsey is one of these really intriguing, cheaper options there because you've seen it before, you've seen him perform well, and there might be an opportunity for him to do it again this year.
0: I have Philip Lindsay ranked at number 44. That's up from number 51. He's still on that tier behind some of the higher-end handcuffs Mm -hmm. or guys who can see the rules expanded. Like, I have Jamal Williams over Philip Lindsay at the moment by one spot. Uh, Zach Moss, Tony Pollard, James Conner, Melvin Gordon, who is dealing with a groin injury at the moment. I guess, where do I put David Johnson in? Like, would you rather have James Robinson
1: or David Johnson? (laughs) no. The answer is no. I don't want any of them. I want Travis Etienne. That's what I want. I don't want James Robinson. Look, the problem is you have to rank them respectably for the healthy projections of what they're going to give you. So Johnson's probably going to be somewhere around like running back 30-ish, somewhere in that vein, depending on which expert you talk to, which analyst you talk to. And they're not wrong for ranking him there. Because you have to say, all right, well, if I'm getting even 14 games from him, he's probably going to put up stats all over somewhere in this range where you finish there. But it doesn't mean you have to want him on your roster. And he's not safe. He's not necessarily, I would say, a good return on your investment. And this is why, philosophically, I like to take care of the running back position early and often. Because the more you're able to do that, the less you have to rely on some of these guys you're talking about. They become bonus players. And guys like Williams is a nice bonus player regardless. But if you're attacking running back early with the Najee Harrises, I'll say it for you so people don't get mad at you, with the Nick Chubbs of the world, uh, you're taking shots at Antonio Gibson, or even guys like you know David Montgomery and Chris Carson who are, I think, kind of underappreciated. They might not have the ceilings of some of the bigger guys, but you know what? I feel pretty good about the floor. I'm so sick of hearing people knock David Montgomery last year for being good against bad teams. Good. How often do we get guys that should be good against bad teams, and often they go out there and lay a giant turd? I want somebody to be good against the bad teams. That's what you're supposed to do. Good. Do what you're supposed to do. And maybe you get some better quarterback play just from Dalton or Fields, whoever you get, it's going to be better than last year. So there's plenty of guys out there that I think are solid. And then once you get past that top 15, 16 guys, it starts to get real dicey. You get into these timeshares, like in Vegas, potentially. I don't know. What's Kenny Drake going to do to Jacobs? I like Jacobs, but I don't know what Drake going to do. He's same thing with the Arizona Cardinals. And it gets muddier and muddier, and then you end up taking shots, and then you know what? That RB2 situation becomes a problem. So I'm going to avoid guys like that so I don't have to worry about what kind of albatross they could be on my roster.
0: So that's how I do my rankings, which I know a lot of people do not. You kind of hit it on the head, and I guess working for fantasy pros, you would kind of understand why a lot of people rank this way, where if mm-hmm. you have David Johnson and- – and David Johnson is just the starter all 17 games for the Texans. It's sort of like the Frank Gore effect where, yeah, by the end yes. of the year, it's like, oh, he was running back seven. He's a running back two for the year. But in individual weeks, he was just never really. And he's not a guy you would actually want to have right. on your team. And when I do my rankings, it's legit. Would I rather have this guy or this guy? That's how I do the That's rankings. That's fine. So I have a weird discrepancy in my rankings versus a lot of people. Like I have David Johnson at running back number 39. That's fine. I would rather have A.J. Dillon. I know cuz I know if I ever have to use AJ Dillon it's going to be good if I have to use AJ Dillon if not he's on my bench with this, people like David Johnson are they're bad in the sense that you'll end up getting like at the value that he's going at right now is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So if he's fell another four rounds, then yeah, he's free. Who cares? Uh, I can drop him if he's no good and if I need him as an injury fill-in, that's fantastic. He's not a guy I ever want to have to rely on. And I think that where people are drafting him right now, it's if you waited on running back, he's your running back too or maybe he's like one of your better flex options and like he's not going to be one of my better flex options. So I don't really care if I have him or not. Like I would rather take Gus Edwards mainly because if I'm using Gus. Edwards you know J.K. Dobbins is probably hurt and I have a top 10 guy on my hands
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I think you're exactly right there and uh look the rankings are there and this is why I like relative position value in the black book because it kind of quantifies the ranking and I think that's the thing that's often lacking and uh it's really not about understanding necessarily how much more you like this guy than that guy sometimes it's literally about the numbers telling you well is there any advantage there and David Johnson to me is not a guy that moves the needle if you compare him to other RB2s He's going to be in the negative there. So if he's going to be in the negative there in terms of relative position value, literally, then why are you spending any draft capital on him? You could take shots on other guys later, as you're saying, who, if opportunity arises, then all of a sudden they're in a better spot. So use your draft capital for guys that do move the needle, build core roster strength, try to take care of running back early. And I understand it's tempting to go early for those big wide receivers. You could do that. You can go Kelsey early. There's a plan, but make sure you target the guys. Like, you know what, if you're going to take a, maybe a guy like Stefan Diggs early or something like that, maybe you do want to take a Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You want to take somebody else that you feel good, could be an RB1 if things do break right in year two for him. That's the strategy you have to have and understand that, you know, if you wait too long for a running back position, it's going to bring down all the other good The rest of the guys on your roster do. If you go early wide receivers, you go Travis Kelsey, if you go early quarterback, that's all great. But don't forget, then you start to marginalize at the running back spots and maybe even the flex spot. And then all of a sudden you get like a mediocre team and nobody wants to be 500.
0: No, they do not. So Zach Moss at the Bills preseason opener with a hamstring injury. He's expected to be okay and start week one. I don't like either of the Bills running backs, but I do prefer Mm. Moss over Singletary if he's healthy. Tariq Cohen, still not back from that ACL injury sustained last year, which brings us to David Montgomery. And uh, this is just sort of the note I wrote down. Remember that David Montgomery only succeeded because of his schedule narrative? Well, if we just extrapolate last year's data, which is a narrative – Listen, taking last year's data and applying it to this year is probably stupid. But if we do that, we do that. The Bears have the second most friendly run schedule for the last four games of the season. So we could have David Montgomery all over again if there's no Cohen. Although I guess people are just like sweating Damian Williams.
1: I, I don't understand that. You know what? You, that's just people who are so pissed off who had David Montgomery rookie year and he didn't, uh, you know, perform up to snuff or people who drafted him last year, dropped him, got frustrated, and then missed the David Montgomery run. At the end of the day, David Montgomery is not going to be Dalvin cook. He's not going to be CMC. He's not going to be one of those guys. You have to understand that, but Dalv, but let me tell you something, David Montgomery on your roster. You showed yes last year that the guy can catch the football right? You already know that that's something he can do now because Tariq Cohen wasn't there to do it. And all of a sudden it was very eye-opening. We said, oh my goodness, look at David Montgomery. He can catch the football. He can be kind of a three down back. Who knew? Well, that's great. And as far as touchdown equity, that's going to go up just by the fact you're pulling away Nick Foles, you're pulling away Mitchell Trubisky, Andy Dalton for all of his warts. Andy Dalton's a professional quarterback in the NFL for many reasons. And if Justin Fields plays up to his capabilities and takes over that job at some time, all of a sudden the Bears offense becomes very interesting. And David Montgomery, I think, is being taken for granted for. He, he basically finished last year as a top five running back in all formats. And I understand some of that is by default because you didn't get the Saquon, you didn't get the CMC, you didn't get some of those big dogs at the top. But you know what? I'm sick and tired of him being all the way vastly underrated. And his people should take advantage of that. Because if you do go wide receiver, let's say you do take a Devontae Adams and somehow, you know, you get CEH or Najee Harris in the second round. And David Montgomery sitting there at the third, you could do a lot worse than a safe running back who, let's face it, Tariq Cohn, Williams, these guys aren't going to take away a ton of carries from him when all is said and done. The reason why the Bears almost got into the playoff conversation last year at the end was because David Montgomery was so effective down the stretch.
0: Of note, Joe Burrow will not be playing in the Bengals Week 2 preseason game, just in case you wanted to see old Joe out there. You can watch Joe on this show, but you cannot see Joe Burrow on the field, just as a <laughs> heads up uh, as that news just broke while I was talking about this. I like Chris Carson a lot more than I like David Montgomery, and my rankings reflect that. That's the sort of eh running back that no one wants that I would go with in that like late second, early third round spot. If I didn't have running backs already, uh, I'm just looking at the draft I'm doing right now. And I'm in this like slow like it's a it's a best ball draft because I don't want to have to manage it in season. But it's like me, Barry, Scott Fish, Nando's in the league, Clay's in the league, Flowers, Adam uh Steve Gallo, Pat Thorman is in here too. So I'm really trying to get Najee Harris, Joe, in the second round. And I got Bob Harris, Scott Fish, and Nando picking in front of me. Any chance that one of those three guys takes him?
1: Ah, uh, there's a small chance. I think Bob Harris might be the guy to do it to you. And when all said and done, I've worked it off with Bob over the years and done all of his shows. That's, that's a, that's a pretty good league. Pretty good uh, list of names there. Anything's possible. And the one thing when you're in those kind of leagues and those quote expert leagues or analyst leagues, as everybody likes to call them, no, is- the,
0: no, I, I, this is the league for guys that don't want to manage teams in season. That's exactly what right. that, I told it's one right. of it's the, it's the flex best ball. I told Jake, I was like, yeah, I don't want to have to fucking do this. Like do waivers. <laughs> every week. Just put me in the one where you don't <laughs> have to do that.
1: <laughs> right. And that's, and, and let me tell you, that's totally understandable. Look, I, and when it comes to best ball, people have their ways of like to do things too, in certain ways of structuring their roster. So keep that in mind. Also, I, I think there's, I would put it at a, chance he makes it to you. So not great, but I don't think it's impossible because once again, there's a lot of big talent probably right around that turn there. It's going to be very tempting in that kind of format.
0: Well, the way I look at it, there's three picks. So Mixon is on the board. Najee Harris is on the board. Calvin Ridley is still on the board as well. Mm -hmm. So as long as those three guys don't go, I think I'm okay because I'll just take one of them. I want Kelsey in the first round because that's something that I do uh, in Mm -hmm. this sort of circumstance. And Lord knows who Nando is going to take. He well, could, that's he, he's he could, the wild card. He could literally take anyone with this pick.
1: Yeah, he's definitely the wild card. And I've also, been in enough drafts with him over the years <laughs> to know that he's going to take somebody that you go, huh, I didn't see that coming necessarily. So that's why I gave you that 30%. We'll see how it goes. And, you know, the Najee Mixon conversation is really one that I think a lot of drafters are going to sit down and have to have. They are, they're going to look at the board and they're going to say, here's a guy I haven't seen at all, and a guy that I've seen glimpses from who's a couple years into the league now. And I don't think every passing week, too, with the Joe Burrow not playing, the Joe Burrow concerns, the mental concerns, the physical concerns, I think that's going to start to weigh on people. And I think more people are going to start to move towards Najee Harris. And that's something you have to understand as you get later. That price tag is probably going to go up because I think people will be afraid whether it's proper or not to think that way. I think that's how the group think is going to start to see Joe Mixon here because they're going to start to worry about things. Well, Jamar Chase not getting separation. Oh no, it might be the sky is falling unnecessarily. But I think it's something to keep an eye on that I think you will see a trend developing in the next two weeks if Burrow News doesn't get better sooner.
0: So this is full point PPR in the draft so far went McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Zeke, Derek Henry. Those are the first five picks. Those are all mm-hmm. coincidentally my top five players. I have Kelsey at number <laughs> six, so I took Kelsey. Nando took mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill. Then it was Aaron Jones, Devonte Adams, Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb. That was the first round. Uh, Mike Clay had the back-to-back picks. He took Nick Chubb, and then Antonio Gibson at the turn, mm-hmm. and then it was Austin Eckler, Stefan Diggs. So that's how this draft has gone so far. Is that about what you've seen in most drafts, like that collection of players?
1: That's pretty much the collection, especially, you know, I think two weeks ago, Mixon would have probably already been gone, but now you're starting to see him fall a little bit further. Uh, That's the one thing that I've noticed there, but typically speaking, I haven't seen Kelsey go as high as six yet. I actually got my first year of Kelsey at 10 in a draft this past weekend. So that's the first time that I've gotten my hands on him anywhere, but uh, I haven't seen him go that high, but I can understand because you're talking about a player that in terms of relative position value, 70% better last year, almost 70. That is an enormous number than the fantasy league average tight end one that means if you took all the, the top 12 tight ends last year you put all their data together and you averaged it out he's still 70 percent more productive than just the mid-level guy that is a stunning number and it's like basically having a player and a half from that spot which is just incredible so i, I can't I can't say it's a bad idea to take him as early as you did. Um, where did Devontae Adams go in that? Because he's off the board, right? From that list of names you gave me?
0: Yeah, he did. Devontae Adams went number nine mm. to Bob nine. Harris, which puts him firmly in the draft of running back camp. That's
1: why I was kind of looking at Yeah, it. that's why. I Bob might be the guy to do it to you anyway. Now now maybe I put that down at 25%. So well, well, maybe maybe ruin your afternoon. Maybe he'll go mixing. Scott
0: Fish already has... Sure. I guess Nando already has a receiver, so maybe he'll end up... He won't go receiver, receiver. Maybe he will. I mean, if Calvin Ridley follows me, I don't care about running back at this point. I'll take Chris Carson in the next round or do something like that. <laughs> but if I can start Hill and Ridley, I always try to draft these teams. Like, I'm a very boomer bust tra- type drafter. Like, if Kelsey doesn't have an exceptional season versus the rest of the tight ends, and we talk about tight ends on the tight end show you're going to see that I have Kelsey in a tier by himself at number one. Uh, And I need him to come through on that. Like when I was taking Kelsey in the first round last year, and people were like laughing it off, you know, it really did work out because he had one Mm -hmm. of those seasons. And I feel like that's the same case you can make with Ridley right now too, is that I think there are four Very clear-cut wide receivers that have the best chance of being the wide receiver one. It's Hill, it's Diggs, it's Adams, and then I think it's Calvin Ridley. I think he's a part of that conversation in terms of overall upside. Now, there's a good chance that if we just took all the probabilities, the probabilities are that someone else outside of those four will be wide receiver one. But I think that those four clearly have the best opportunity and probability of being the number one receiver.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that for I would also throw A.J. Brown as maybe that guy that you're not talking about because all all of a sudden everybody wants to say, well, it couldn't possibly be A.J. Brown because Julio Jones is there now. And that's going to eat into blah, 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 blah. And you know what? You know what? One thing we've said about A.J. Brown his whole career is how incredibly efficient he's been. So if he's always been this efficient and now he's learning under the tree of Julio Jones and Julio Jones is going to take all that extra coverage away. I mean, I don't know how you defend against this Titans team. I really don't. If You bring up the safeties, you're screwed, because then you can't double any of those guys, those big-time wide receivers. And if you don't do that, then Derrick Henry runs amok on you. It is very complicated right now. And I think A.J. Brown, still you haven't seen just how good he can be. He is an incredible player. But look, I, Ridley is, is a really good situation, because now that Julio is gone – And that defense is still really not improved, I think, year over year. Stunningly, I don't know how they don't, Pat. Every single year, the Atlanta Falcons continue to defensively whiff. I don't know how they do that. But Ridley, from necessity, might have to be that guy, too. So I like that pick as well.
0: So I think that the big difference between the two, in my mind, is what happens if that efficiency just is 80% of what it was last year. I just think that the Mm -hmm. range of outcomes for Brown is kind of spread across the spectrum, where with Ridley, I know how much volume that he's going to get, so even if he's not efficient, if he doesn't get hurt, he's going to see like 10 to 12 targets a game, and I'd bank on that sort of upside of if he gets that volume and he has a super efficient year, he's the wide receiver
1: one. It's very possible. I mean, look, Devontae Adams was stunning last year. It, it's nice that we have so many guys that can actually challenge for that spot. I think that's very cool. And who knows? There'll probably be somebody we're not even seeing, but you know, it's great that we have such incredible wide receiver play. We have a lot of guys you can take a shot on that have a shot for that number one spot. And I think all of them probably will finish somewhere close together. Like it, it's, it's hard to imagine one of them dropping off, which is kind of the stunning thing too. I mean, it, it's possible with an injury obviously that that could happen, but we're living in a wide receiver world right now. The game has really changed. It's become more wide open. The quarterbacks are more protected. We're throwing the ball downfield more than we ever were. The efficiency is much better. And and look, it is, it's a fun game to watch now because of how great these wide receivers are and you know how wide open these offenses have become in the NFL over the last 10 years.
0: All right, let's do some rapid fire on position battles before we jump out of here. And you know we have to record another tight end show, so we, we don't want to take up too much of your time. 49ers running back. Raheem, sideshow Raheem, Colonel Mostart. He ended up sitting on the weekend, so Trey Sermon got in. He had nine carries for 26 yards and a fumble. He did catch both of his targets for 14 yards, which was nice nice to see. I still think that Mostert's one of the most underrated fantasy players coming into the year, that everyone just thinks that he's injury-prone, he's hurt, but if he is healthy, he is a value right now in fantasy drafts because no one wants him. Sermon's even going ahead of him in a lot of spots in recent drafts that I've been a part of, and I, I just don't see it. If he's healthy, he's getting 12 to 18 touches a game, and you want to talk about efficiency and how effective that running game is in San Francisco, Like that is someone who can be a very quality Top 20 ish running back every week of the season. He's not a game breaker. He's not going to win you your league in terms of just him on his back. But he's also one of these guys that when you look at the end of the year, he won't be ranked super high up. He's going to miss a game or two. Let's be realistic about it. But for the games that he plays, he is a, if you insert him as a flex or a running back, low end running back too, because that's where he's being, he's actually being drafted beyond that. But if you can play him as a running back too or a flex, I think that he's a top 20 running back when healthy.
1: I think I'm going to go to Trey Sermon in this backfield still. And How dare you? Because he's cheaper. Well, you're not, he's you're cheaper. not allowed to disagree with me on my own yeah, show. How dare you? Of course I can. I mean, come on. Of course I'm going to. I love you, Pat Mayo. Nothing will ever change my love for you. You know that. But at the same time, I'm going to disagree with you because I'd rather take the cheaper, younger guy, the guy they invested some draft capital in. And I'm old enough to remember when Raheem Moser was just some guy that people were making fun of and said, who's this guy? It's really easy to look good in the Shadahan offense. It's even easier to look good when you're on the field. And I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm not buying the fact that he's only going to miss two games. I just, I can't put that into the factor when I'm evaluating the player. And on top of that, if we're saying, well, you bring in Wayne Gallman and, you know, Jeffrey Wilson was a player. I was very high on going into this season year over year before the injury happened. I thought, boy, when you look at what he did towards the end of last year, when he got those 20 carries, Jeffrey Wilson was very good. Now he is out of that mix right now. So they've got a lot of bodies there. That's a negative. And the youngest body is Trey Sermon, and he's the best return on investment. So that's where I'm going to put my draft capital.
0: Okay, so what if Mossart started going after Trey Sermon? So in NFC drafts from the past four days, <sighs> Sermon is going ahead of Raheem Mostert. Sermon's going as running back number 29, pick number 74 overall. Mossart going as running back number 31, pick number 80 overall.
1: Yeah, that I haven't experienced firsthand in any draft. I understand why that's happening is because you're seeing sermon in games, right? Like he's going to play most not, whatever that is, you know, again, sometimes preseason works in your favor. Sometimes it works against you. So for me, I'm looking at that. I don't know if I'm ready to do that necessarily, but look, if they're both on the board together, Personally, I'm going to take the younger running back. I'm going to be patient with him and hope that I get the second half of a season, something I got similar to DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor, those kind of guys. I don't know if he's got quite that upside, but my goodness, that attack is very good. I also don't know what, you know, we're also talking about Raheem Oster with Jimmy Garoppolo. When Trey Lance comes into this offense, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to change the dynamic of how everything runs because, Trey Lance throws a very different ball than Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. <laughs> Just ask Brandon Ayuk, who had a ball hit him in the hands at 100 miles an hour and went, Oh, I wasn't quite prepared for that, right? In the in game action. Also, you saw Trey Lance kind of move around the pocket and then make a throw downfield that Jimmy Garoppolo is not making either. So this offense becomes a little bit different as well without Jimmy Garoppolo under center, too. And we don't know what that effect's going to have to a guy like Mostert, too, because looking around, like I said, I'm going to go ahead and take the guy that's brand new, brand fresh. Had a really good college career. Looks pretty good so far in what I saw. Not perfect, but looks pretty good. As opposed to the guy that was third or fourth in the depth chart a couple years ago that had a really good run, and we're still trying to build off that. It reeks of CJ Anderson to me, and I'm just not doing it. Okay, I am going to do it. I think it's a good, good. price at pick I number think you eighty,
0: should. And I maybe mean, we have to bet some money on this. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Maybe. Maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe, off- maybe that Mr. Mayo. I made bets with the Leone last week. Bateman versus uh, Chenault, and of course Bateman's dead. So that's not going to be a hot start <laughs> to my betting. Uh, I did take Brendan Cooks over Odell Beckham, though. I still feel good about that one.
1: Yeah, well, look, Odell's not been my favorite guy over the years, but uh, Chenault's also not a, uh, a long history of great health either, so hold your breath on that one. You, you might not be dead yet. So you mentioned Trey Lance. How long till we see Trey Lance? Let's, let's be real here. Week one, is it happening? <laughs> I would like to see him week one, but I, I think realistically, since the guy hadn't played football for an entire year, it might be best for his overall development for the team. If they can get through the first, like I think they come out of the bye week six, I believe. So that's, I think the latest you're going to see him by. And if you listen very carefully to that broadcast, they said the phrase, Jimmy Garoppolo is in such a good teammate three or four times, which basically means Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do a hell of a job holding the clipboard someday. Boy, oh boy, he is such a good teammate. Have you seen what good of a teammate Jimmy Garoppolo is? Boy, is he a good teammate. Look, he it's, it's nowhere near the same. I mean, Trey Lance was my number two quarterback on that board last year. I don't know what the Jets saw in Zach Wilson that shook them off Trey Lance. To me, if he had the questions about Trey Lance, they're the same exact questions you had about Zach Wilson, which is competition at the end of the day. But performance, body type, NFL in 2021, it all goes to Trey Lance as far as I'm concerned. And to me, if you started with him week one, it wouldn't be a terrible idea. Uh, if he started with Mac Jones, I don't think it would be a terrible idea. He looked way more competent running the Patriots offense than Cam Newton has in a year. So, uh, and, and again, the, the Pats offense is supposed to be really hard to figure out, right? Everyone talks about how difficult it is. Well, Mac Jones looks like he figured it out pretty well. There's a big pass dropped in the end zone there. All of a sudden, we have a very different highlight reel for Mac Jones if that 30 yard touchdown pass doesn't get dropped right in his breadbasket. So, I'm going to say Trey Lance no later than week six, but it wouldn't shock me if we open the year with him.
0: Well, there is breaking news out of the 49ers camp as we're talking when people are watching this or listening to this. It's probably not going to be quite so breaking at the moment, but Trent Williams had to leave practice with a possible hip injury, and Sean Coleman is now day-to-day with a knee injury. No idea how serious this Trent Williams thing is, but you lose two of your starting offensive linemen in one day in practice. uh, I think that points more towards Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, why don't you go back out here until we can figure this part out? I do think that... and that that was the
1: deficit, right, Pat? Wasn't that the deficit? When you watch them, you uh, same thing with Trevor Lawrence, like the offensive line in both scenarios didn't look great. A lot of pressure on those two guys.
0: It was, but I think that uh, I think that Trey Lance helps the running game just because his mobility just it, it extends the defense so much that it can create big gaping holes up the middle, which you know that Shanahan can exploit. But I'm just worried that we don't see him right away. I am also concerned that we don't see Justin Fields right away, and this is not a, a unique thought to me. A lot of people have said it, but week one against the Rams, serve Andy Dalton to the Wolves. Watch him get beat up. Don't subject Justin Fields to that. Have Aaron Donald just come down and just beat the shit out of Andy Dalton and you know <laughs> by the end of the third quarter when they're down by 20 points. Yeah, bring in Justin Fields, and now he's the starter. It is a perfect scenario for the Bears.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, you definitely don't want to feed him to Aaron Donald. That's just not fair. Don't do that to anybody. Just, I mean, and and if it's possible, I just saw a commercial with him over the weekend where he looks even bigger. And I, I didn't know that was possible. I did not know we could get a bigger, stronger version of Aaron Donald, but it's hard after you watch Justin Fields and you see the mobility and you see also that, you know, even though things didn't start off perfect, that he didn't get shaken at all. That's the biggest thing. See, what you're looking for is, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. These guys are rookies. Their first couple of snaps in the NFL and any kind of real game action. So it's going to be warts with any of these guys. But is the stage too big? Are they folding up the 10? If they get hit a couple of times, will all of a sudden they disappear? Didn't happen to Justin Fields. Didn't happen to Trey Lance. Lawrence didn't get too much of an opportunity, but still I didn't see any kind of concern or anything that would worry me with Trevor Lawrence. And it didn't happen to Mac Jones either. Like, I don't think any of the rookie quarterbacks, Wilson, again, you didn't see a whole lot. You saw him make a couple of throws. And, and again, I have more questions about Wilson than the other quarterbacks, but man, like Justin Fields certainly gave you a lot of reason to be excited. And I think in a super flex format, if you take Fields as your third quarterback or Trey Lance as your third quarterback, that's a potential league winner. And I took Trey Lance in our, you know, the Flex League uh, draft this past weekend in New York in the Super Flex League as my third quarterback. You could draft a boring Derek Carr or somebody like that like I did, just kind of get you through until you get Trey Lance. And then Trey Lance' return on investment potentially is a game changer. And that's somebody that if he has a huge rookie season, all of a sudden in Super Flex, that's something to really pay attention to.
0: Well, sticking with Super Flex or even deeper leagues, mm-hmm. if you're going to quarterback, Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, who's, who's getting the start here? Or do they both play enough to make them – each useless. Uh,
1: I I'm going to run away from this scenario. I think it should be Winston. If you want to win games, I fear that the way it's looking with um, Michael Thomas being out for (laughs) who knows when Michael Thomas comes back, how he comes back. And also if he comes back to the saints team, it feels like maybe the marriage is over between these two. Uh, I think you're going to see more Taysom Hill in the beginning than Winston, because I think that's the kind of offense they're going to run. They're going to try to run this Camara Taysom Hill run kind of offense. I, I just, you know, it's a very frustrating thing, but I think the saints window has officially shut on them. And in terms of fantasy value, you can still invest in Camara. It's going to take a, a top five pick to do it. Obviously still, but outside of Camari, it is hard to find a piece that I'm really excited about. I know people want to talk about Traquan Smith. No. Okay, maybe they to no, no, no. take a shot. Let, Callaway, people yeah, want to talk, talk, about, let's talk
0: about Let's talk about Callaway, because that's the guy okay. that you want to go Callaway to. Callaway
1: right? seems to be the guy you want to go to he's, right now. He's but,
0: absolutely free at the moment, and he essentially yeah. stepped into Michael Thomas's role in that, in that first preseason game. We'll see if that continues. Mm-hmm. But that was at least encouraging to see. Let's see. Uh, Hill locked out like when... When Taysom played quarterback last season and Michael Thomas was healthy, he essentially just got 15 targets a game. He was the only guy that he threw to. And then in the first preseason game when Taysom was starting, which he did, it was all Callaway doing those exact same routes. So if he's going to be someone that Taysom locks into and the speed that he has, he's not as good as Michael Thomas, but he's also not a first-round pick. He's a last-round pick. I'll take that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Look – It's going to be very frustrating. I think what you hope for maybe is, you know, Taysom Hill's cheap on a on a DK slate or something like that. He's got a good matchup. Maybe gets a a rushing touchdown, some rushing yards, maybe throws for a touchdown. All of a sudden, that's a good return on investment. But season long, I have a very hard time making an investment in that situation. One offs, one game where I feel confident, Okay, this guy seems to be the guy for now for today. I don't want to get past a week at a time when it comes to the Saints. I just can't do it.
0: All right, anything else you think that we should talk about from the week one (laughs) set of games? Does it not go as quickly as I thought it was going to (laughs) go?
1: That's okay. Well, you know, when you get two smart, handsome people like this just talking football time, just stands still. I always find Javante Williams. That's Ah. the other thing. Yes. That's the other guy to really talk about. Javante Williams looked really sharp. Uh, Once again, the younger running back. And the thing you like about Williams, too, is he didn't have the entire workload in college. Sometimes the guys with all the workload, by the time they get to the NFL, they're a little burnt out. You know, he didn't have that problem he looked really sharp explosive he would have had a touchdown if Jerry Judy had been able to throw an actual block in the end zone he kind of whiffed on a block and it was really lame and ended up costing the team a touchdown there so I would say that that's the one to keep an eye on I could see already that ADP starting to rise after that game as it should and then of course you compound that when you get the Melvin Gordon news and sorry I, I've been Javante Williams from you know day one of this draft season it's not gonna shake me it's in fact I'm only gonna like him more after this And I'm actually willing to pay the premium after this because I think he might be worth it.
0: So I have him unchanged in my running back rankings. I have Javante Mm -hmm. Williams at number 22 at running back, Melvin Gordon at number 30-something, 38. And he's dealing with this groin injury, and we'll see how that goes. But the Mm -hmm. longer that festers, I think the better it is for Williams. Although I don't think this is going to be anything but a committee backfield. just I hope that the committee is 65-35 for Javante Mm -hmm. Williams here.
1: If it is, I mean, let's keep in mind, too, Denver does like to run the football team. That's that's what they've done the last few years with Fangio. So and that
0: really works out if, for them.
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I think if you can get 65% of the Broncos, that's a flex running back right there. So as long as you get them at flex price, I think you're good. When you start relying on Javante Williams as an RB2, it gets a little dicier. But as a flex RB, I think very intriguing there.
0: Bob Harris did take Najee Harris.
1: Fuck. Told you he'd be the guy to do it, right? I called it live on air, baby. And then if anyone's gonna do it to you, Bob's gonna stick the knife, and Bob did.
0: Yeah, Bob took Harris. Then Mixon went at number seventeen, so it's down. So I either get Calvin Ridley or DeAndre Hopkins, which I'm not too bummed out about, but I don't have a running back yet, which is kind
1: of shitty. And we'll Whoa, see. Clyde's not, still out there? You so, gonna want to go with the Clyde? You're not buying the Clyde? He's fine. I'd rather have those receivers over him, though. I'm fine with that too.
0: I'd, like I'd rather have figure like, it out. I, I would rather have Allen Robinson and Terry McLaurin over Clyde edwards Lair.
1: I can understand the thought process, especially with Robinson. I can understand, you know, I, I love McLaurin. I'm very excited to see him with Fitzpatrick, but you know, it's, it's tough right now when you when you hit those drafts early and you don't come around with a running back in the first two rounds. You really got it. Look, you're going to be Mr. Chris Carson round three. I'm sure of that. And you probably will get him at round three would be my guess. And that's, yeah, that's fine.
0: Well, people will start pivoting on to the receivers at this point. And I'm listen, I'm not committed to drafting a running back in the third round. If Allen Robinson or Terry McLaurin is still sitting there, it's I like you. them better than all the running backs. Fuck it. I'm going to take the better. I'm going to take the better. Zero player.
1: RB Pat I, Mayo. I, look at you go.
0: I don't mind going zero RB if it presents itself. And a lot of the time that happens with me if I do take Kelsey in the first round. And Kelsey's a guy that I like in the first round. So I'm gonna try to patch it together. So that means my running backs this year, like I don't mind Mike Davis. I like Chris Carson. So I think that those two guys will most definitely still be there for me in the third and fourth rounds, probably fifth and sixth rounds for something with someone like Mike Davis. So that's good with me. So those two guys will probably now become targets. Daryl Henderson becomes a target for me in the fifth or sixth round. Mostert in the ninth or wherever the hell he's going at this point then gus edwards damian harris aj Dillon. harris is
1: this is a team meant for you know i talked about this actually on fantasy pros the other day harris is a fascinating guy i'm not if you're going zero rb all you all you can be is what you're doing, which is prepared and flexible, right? Let the draft come to you, build core roster strength, get the best players you can, and then figure out where the value is at the, the positions. The worst thing people do is fill roster spots. It's the biggest mistake people make. I need this. No, you don't. You need to be great, be great as many places as you can, and then figure the rest out later. And you can. Damian Harris is a fascinating one because if he does kind of get the lion share and Mac Jones does play sooner than later, all of a sudden there's a guy that can elevate. And I think that's what you're looking for, guys at running back, who can elevate. Maybe A.J. Dillon can elevate. Maybe Jamal Williams can elevate. Maybe they can at least be good enough to get you by and not be negative. And can they kind of give you fantasy league average and give you those kind of performances? If they can, all of a sudden, a a team that starts off Kelsey and Ridley, that's a pretty good start.
0: Yeah, and this is the strategy that I went with in flex last year, and I was Mm -hmm. the guy who scored all the points and missed the playoffs, except there was one (laughs) other team that scored. I had the second most points in the league yet, but the team that scored the most points, also, didn't make the playoffs, so they got the wild card spot and not me. And it was under the same sort of philosophy where I didn't get the guy that I, I didn't get the running with the pick to draft the running back that I wanted rounds one or two. So I had this very mm-hmm. top-heavy team of Kelsey. Uh, I think I had Michael Thomas, which really kind of shot me in the foot. But I also followed that up with other receivers at the same time that more than made up for it. The biggest impact that I had, though, was I reached on Kyler Murray, not because I was completely sold on Kyler Murray, but even in the same sort of conversation that I had just with you about Calvin Ridley and how he can become the wide mm-hmm. receiver one overall. I looked at the board and in the, in their quarterbacks that were still left. I was like, If Murray is good, he could be quarterback number one. And he was very close Mm -hmm. to it until he got hurt was the thing. Then he got hurt. Mm -hmm. My team fell off a little bit. But he was carrying me because while I did reach for him and took a quarterback way too early, with the team that I was constructing, I needed three guys to sort of overachieve at their spot. But if they were an overachiever, they were so good that they could carry me the rest of the way. Then the rest of my team was filled up with these, like, kind of scrub bum guys that if an injury breaks this way an injury breaks this way, like they're entirely usable the entire way. That was sort of like my rounds eight through 13 was a bunch of those guys instead of like the, Oh, maybe this rookie is going to be super awesome. Now I missed Justin Jefferson, but he was the only guy that I missed from that range.
1: I'll tell you what this roster building right now would be perfect for Kyler Murray because I got Kyler Murray myself in that same flex draft. I was just telling you about, he was my first pick. Uh, in the super flex and if you get Kyler Murray you're getting a quarterback and a running back you just are I mean it's going to be really difficult not to see him reach 850 yards rushing I don't want to hear the noise about how he's not going to run as much you can't take that instinct out of a player you just can't I remember when Cam Newton got hurt too and the next year they said well we're going to back off him and then he had what like 700 yards rushing 800 yards rushing that next year I mean it's a joke so you can't take the the instinctual nature of a player out And Kyler Murray was on pace last year for 4,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing. He would have been the first player in NFL history to do that. I think he's going to come real close to it again this year. I don't think either of those running backs are anything really special. Connor and Edmonds are just going to be there and supportive. But at the end of the day, you're going to see a lot of Kyler Murray. So if you do end up in this kind of situation where that's the value that presents itself, one way to make up ground at running back is to have a player and a half, right? Kelsey's a player and a half guess what? So is Kyler Murray because he's giving you all the, the passing upside of, of a QB one and a high-end QB one. And then also all that rushing upside too, of, of what could be a a mid to high, you know, RB two, somewhere in that area. And that is, that's huge. Whenever you can do that from your roster and not to mention the touchdown equity he brings, because he controls all the scoring in the offense throwing and rushing the touchdown pretty much everything goes through Kyler Murray.
0: Yeah. I'm not super happy with the start of this draft, obviously. However, I don't know. The only way that I think I would go Murray is if somehow Calvin Ridley goes with the next pick and I end up with DeAndre Hopkins, then I'll just pair them up and try to really capitalize Mm -hmm. on that upside. If not, I think I'll probably wait for Justin Fields, for Tua, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, grab two of those guys, because it is a best ball. And then Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that might be too much draft capital at quarterback if this early when I can take too late that accomplish what I want to accomplish. And now I don't need a guy to go from quarterback number six to quarterback number one. I need
1: mm. quarterback 21 to be quarterback seven, something like that. Well, Lancer fields would be that kind of guy. That's, that's, that's about it. I don't think we want to put Wilson in that conversation. I don't think the jets offense is going to strike fear in the hearts of anybody. 49ers might, they got some pieces, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo Samuel that that's one that could dump. And, and the, Bears, too. Mooney and Robinson, I think, are terrific. And Montgomery, you already know my feelings about that.
0: All right. I think that'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. I think I'm going to push the tight end ranking show because this show went as longer than I thought that both shows were going to go. So let's just stick with this. With the rankings update, you can find all of my rankings updated right now. If you just use the links in the description, smash the like button to the episode. Tell me what player you've been following in love with run the sims.com slash Mayo plus the Apple podcast giveaway for fantasy football. Picks and bets is all down in that description. The newsletter is down there now. uh, Also with like promo deals every single week. uh, If you want to get into that as well, Joe Pisa Tell people where they can find, listen, and watch your handsome visage.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Well, of course, hosting all the podcasts and videos for Fantasy Pros on Thursday, the 19th. We got our big 12-hour wall-to-wall fantasy football fest on our YouTube channel. So check that out. You can also pick up my number one best-selling fantasy football black book over on Amazon. Get ready for the season. It's been updated for August 1st. Also get the relative position value cheat sheets there. You can get it on Amazon, the paperback. You can also get it on iBooks, uh, Apple P- Books, whatever the hell it's called now. And uh, and that's about it. Follow me on the Twitter machine at JoePizzoPS17. It's always so fun to spend quality time with my good friend, Pat Mayo.
0: Well, we'll have to do it again. This was a very fascinating show. And when I have to update the rankings and talk about news, I think I'm going to call you. I'm going to kick Steely to the curb, although he's now on tight end. Yeah. He's with me, so... J- expect jake to be on the show on thursday uh, as i give away the winners of those giveaways so fantasy uh, it's the fantasy football black book go buy that right now tell them pat sent you it won't get you a discount or anything but just tell them i sent you for you know g- good vibes going your way anyway all right <laughs> uh, that will do it for me i'm pat mayo subscribe to the show subscribe to fantasy football picks and bets and check out all the rankings all right sub to mayo media network while you're at it. smash the like on the way out too i'll see you next time
1: EXPERIENCE!